So what are the five principles of high reliability? Yes, they are preoccupation with failure, sensitivity to operations, reluctance to simplify, commitment to resilience, and last but not least, deference to expertise. Okay, it's a lot. We're gonna get into it here. to introduce our latest episode. Um, this is an interview that I did with Alex Moore. Some of you may remember uh, Alex from our previous episode on high reliability. He is the director of high reliability here at Baptist Health Louisville. And I invited him back just to shed a little bit more light on the five principles of high reliability. So not necessarily those universal skills that we all learned in the sessions, um, but more of the philosophy behind high reliability and who better to explain it to us than Alex. So here is my interview with Alex Moore. All right, Alex, welcome back. Thanks very much, so glad to be back. Good, well, I'm really excited to talk with you a little bit more about high reliability. So what's going on in your world? Oh, staying busy, uh, always something new with our with our initiative. And I appreciate this opportunity. You know, high reliability is one of those topics that there's a lot to it. And, you know, you can't always fit it in in one podcast. So <laughs> I sure appreciate the opportunity to come back and uh, expand a little bit. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, so um, what are the five principles of high reliability? Yes, I'd love to break those down for you. Uh, and just as a little bit of context, let me start with a little anecdote story here. And bear mm -hmm. with me here. It's a little, yeah. little crazy. But so my younger daughter is about to turn eight and she is absolutely obsessed with turtles. This Aww. girl loves turtles. She's got turtle earrings, turtle shirts. She has turtle stuffed animals like all over the place and she just loves them. And so she, what she really has her heart set on is a real turtle. So, you know, I'm doing all this research on, you know, how to make a turtle comfortable and all that stuff. And, you know, the thing about it is it would be it would be insane if we just went to a pet store and just got let her pick one, brought it on home to our house and then just set it down on the floor and just let it roam free. Like mm -hmm. that would be pretty crazy. I mean, like we all know it takes more than just setting a turtle loose in your house for the turtle to be happy and healthy and, you know, have a good have a good experience. So, you know, you've got to think about, you know, what are you going to feed the turtle? What's a turtle going to live in? Um, make, you know, is the environment going to look like what a turtle is used to seeing? You know, there's a lot more than just picking out your turtle. You have to have a good environment around it. And as crazy as this sounds, high reliability, specifically safe, reliable together here at Louisville, is kind of like picking a turtle. You have you have those specific tools and skills that we know are helpful at the bedside and in our task, and, and, you know, to incorporate those into the tasks throughout our day. But it's more than just the tools. It's what goes with the tools to sustain it and help it uh, go well for the long term. And those things are, you know, your overall culture of safety, things like processes and technology, um, 
that, that serve as the infrastructure around the tools that we focus so much on and spoke a lot about the tools universal skills last time. And all that to say, the five principles of high reliability are some of those supportive infrastructure components to high reliability that help things uh, like your universal skill usage uh, be even more successful. So think of it like the wrapper around it. So that's really what I'd love for us to kind of unpack a little bit more uh, together, these five principles of high reliability, knowing that they serve to create a, a conducive culture to where things like specific tools and uh, error prevention techniques uh, will be successful. Yeah. So let me, let me break these down for us. So the five principles of high reliability, you know, they actually are pretty well known now for folks that are uh, practicing high reliability, but they actually come from Carl Weick and Kathleen Sutcliffe's book, uh, Managing the Unexpected, that came out in 2001. So they come from a book originally, and there's five total principles. Three of them, we refer to those as principles of anticipation, and those really drive at helping us avoid harm. And then the other two principles, we refer to those as principles of containment, and they more get at how to contain failure once it's happened. So three on the preventative side of things, driving our safety culture, and two on our what do we do to learn from our mistake side of things. So let's start first with the anticipation side. So the, the first of which is preoccupation with failure. So this is regarding small inconsequential errors as a, as a symptom that something is wrong. So us constantly having the mindset looking for the way things could uh, go awry uh, in our processes and in our daily work and looking to be, you know, that preventative mindset. And, and oftentimes in our class, uh, universal skills, we talk about the Swiss cheese method. So, you know, we put these barriers in place to catch errors, uh, but we, you know, we don't just set it and forget it like the old infomercials. You've got to constantly be checking, you know, are these things working out? to catch errors and preventing them from reaching our, uh, you know, our patients. So we want to have this preoccupa preoccupation with failure mindset. That's number one. Number two is sensitivity to operations. And this is just simply paying attention to what's happening on the front line. So sensitivity to operations to me means that when we're rolling out a particular component of high reliability, we're taking into account what's going on with frontline staff. Uh, and we all know um, change fatigue is a real thing. And mm -hmm. we don't, you know, where we can be mindful of it, want to be complimentary with, uh, you know, recommending new tools or you know, different trainings or things like that that we want to roll out. How's it going to fit with what, with what else is going on in the given unit for that day? Um, you know, so being sensitive to what's going on in operations is important. And, you know, there's an old adage that you know, when you do roll out an initiative, you know, there's three components you, you have to have in place if you want it to be successful. You have to have the, the solution itself, the quality of, you know, the tool or whatever it is. But you also have to have acceptance mm -hmm. by the people mm -hmm. and accountability. And you have to have those three things. So I I'll commonly refer to it as Q-A-N-A, -A, so the quality of your, um, you know, your change. Uh, acceptance and accountability and sensitivity to operations means that are you giving folks on the front line an opportunity to speak to 
you know, these tools or whatever it is you're trying to incorporate, have them incorporate. And that really is a great way to get at the acceptance component of it. So this whole idea of sensitivity to operations, uh, there's kind of a lot to unpack there. Mm. But it's, uh, you know, being sit considerate to what's going on in their world and providing them an opportunity to, uh, you know, be part of developing the solution, which helps drive acceptance. That mm. acceptance component we know is important. And the third principle of, in, of anticipation is reluctance to simplify interpretations of failure. So it's commonly reluctance to simplify. So this one, there's two components of it. Reluctance to simplify what we think the problem is. Oftentimes we get ourselves so wrapped up and in trouble because we assume we overgeneralize. Like, oh, for example, uh, oh, people don't, People don't have good hand hygiene. They don't wash their hands uh, because they don't think it's important. That mm. would be one assumed reason. But in reality, there's a lot of different reasons why people might indeed not ch have chosen to wash their hands. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be something more environment related. related. Say perhaps the uh, hand dispenser, when you open the door, is behind the door. Mm -hmm. You know, And we would have not known that had we just assumed, oh, they must not care about it. So... We don't want to fall into the trap of simplifying uh, reasons that we have errors. Mm -hmm. But the other component of it is, is oversimplify our solutions. So thinking that we're going to have this silver magic bullet, uh, one-size-fits-all solution uh, to a multi-faceted you know, problem, that doesn't work either. So reluctance to simplify, uh, you know, is... What it means is encouraging diversity in experience, perspective, and opinion, helping us uh, in that way. So those are our three principles of anticipation, preoccupation with failure, sensitivity to operations, and reluctance to simplify. The two additional are, are the two principles of containment. And the first one is commitment to resilience. So that is... Developing capabilities to detect, contain, and bounce back from events that do occur. So are you, the components of your high reliability initiative resilient? Is the work that you do resilient? Are the processes in your world resilient? The thing about it is, um, you know, I was going to say when you roll out something new, but it could be things that you've been doing forever, rarely does anything ever work absolutely perfect especially when you're rolling out something new you kind of expect it to be a little bumpy the first day or you know um, so with knowing that that is very often the case do we bake in resiliency into our initiatives and our high reliability uh, approach so looking for ways to detect and contain and bounce back uh, from you know the anticipated potential issues that we might run across is what commitment to resilience is all about. And the second one is deference to expertise. So this is pushing decision-making down and around to the person with the most related knowledge and expertise. So this idea is that you have a lot of different subject matter expertise within you know, this hospital walls. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it can be tempting just to maybe it could be uh, help things uh, 
from a timing perspective, you could be tempted just to make decisions or you know, plan just with the folks that you happen to have conveniently around you. Well, this concept is you know, that you would defer to on a particular subject to the subject matter expert, regardless of their role in the hospital and their quote rank, mm. uh, uh, and regardless of whether or not you know they happen to be in that particular meeting, you would actually take the opportunity to go seek them out and be sure that you include their input on it. Mm -hmm. So that's deference to expertise. So those are your five uh, principles of high reliability. All right. Lots to unpack there. <laughs> would you say, just so that I can understand it correctly, would you say preoccupation with failure is synonymous with hypervigilance? Yes, that would be another good way to say it. Just the thing to, rem to, to keep in mind is that the emphasis is always on for improvement purposes. So, you know, preoccupation with failure, uh, with the end result being to blame people for their mistakes and beat people up, would obviously, uh, you know, be, be a very negative thing to do. Uh, and that is not at all the, the intent with that particular um, uh, principle. Preoccupa preoccupation with failure is all about, you know, looking for ways to improve and, and truly doing it for that reason and, and for that outcome. Mm -hmm. But yes, I would say, you know, hypervigilance with the intent to improve uh, is a good way to put it too. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so as somebody new to learning these principles, I'm wondering if practicing constant preoccupation with failure, both individually and as an organization, could have a negative psychological impact. You know, always focusing on what could go wrong, what we're doing wrong what's not working. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind, again, is intent. It's not focusing on what could go wrong to blame people or to give people a hard time. It's simply to do that so that we can identify potential problems, make our processes and, and systems better to prevent error to our patients and, and to our staff. I mean you got to keep the intent intent at heart here and that's what you know again makes it worth doing sometimes when it can be hard or difficult or exhausting but it still is you know worth doing all the same you know it's funny so high reliability as i mentioned i think last time uh, started in nuclear power and aviation so you know they've wrestled with these same questions for years and i would say um you know, in aviation, I don't think there has ever been a passenger that said, well, you guys are just always thinking about ways this plane could crash. I mean, I think the patients would, patients or passengers, mm -hmm. any way you see it, uh, you know, would would be pretty, pretty relieved and thankful of all the scrutiny and things that go into keeping them safe. I think to them, they would be appreciative of it. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, you're still um, celebrating wins, celebrating successes and all those wonderful things you know, that are part of being life on a team, you, that's not the only thing you do. So you temper it with the positive parts of, you know, our work life. Uh, but yeah, that's, that, that's what I would say. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, so the next one, reluctance to simplify. So I found this really fascinating. Um, 
Because I do personally really think that the answers are in the nuance for so many things. Um, you know, one size fits all is just not um, really an applicable concept, especially in, you know, the world that we live in today where we have such diversity. And so um, you've already expanded on it quite a bit and explained what um, the authors intended with this principle. Um, I'm wondering if there's any examples of how it's been applied here at Baptist. Sure. And just to briefly circle back to the hand hygiene, you know, that's a good example of reluctance to simplify in a root cause perspective. Um, understanding that, you know, it's not always an education about the importance of hand hygiene that is at the root cause behind, you know, why someone didn't choose to wash their hands. Uh, but also a good example of, you know, reluctance to simplify in your approach, in your solution, I would just use this initiative. So Safe, Reliable Together, uh, our high reliability initiative at Louisville. You know, there's a, there's a little bit of a temptation too here to think that, you know, well, you know, the education is a very strong component of this and so much to the, to the fact that we have all of our active staff and uh, providers attend the universal skills class. But the reality of, of it is that I'm not naive enough to think that that's all it's going to take mm -hmm. to, you know, accomplish our high reliability journey, but that, you know, we have to fight this reluctance to simplify this approach and expand it in a multifaceted way. And that really kind of gets back to the heart of what we talked about last time um, with the different facets of change management. But just for an example, you know, yeah, the universal skills is a really important component of it for people to go and learn what those high reliable skills are that they could use at the bedside, you know, during their daily work. But beyond the training class itself, we have things around it. Again, that infrastructure around it, the environment uh, to help drive the safety culture. So we have, you know, little reminders that something like you know, the tool of the month that we do to really shine the focus on a particular tool uh, that's pertinent to that particular team. We have safety coaches uh, to provide that um, local resource for them. We um, incorporate safety into our daily management huddles. Uh, so those are just other aspects that we have in tandem with the training uh, to make it overall, you know, have the impact we're hoping it'll have. Am I understanding sensitivity to operations correctly by thinking that it reflects our leadership's ability to consider workflow and interdepartmental transactions when implementing process changes? Yes, that would absolutely fall into sensitivity to operations. You know, how different teams interact, uh, that, that shared workflow all falls into that, at least to me. Mm. Yeah, that... I would definitely agree. So I do think sometimes that's where we struggle with the adoption component is if that consideration of those elements isn't apparent, even if it has gone on behind the scenes, if the frontline staff don't know or see how XYZ was considered, but still we went in this direction because pros outweighed cons or whatever, I think that's one of the roadblocks for that ad adoption, you know, because if it's not publicized, we do know that this is going to add an extra step for you. 
but we did weigh all the reasons why, and this was still, for all involved, the best way forward. Yeah, and the funny thing is that you have a couple of these high reliable principles at play, and they kind of overlap. So you have sensitivity to operations, knowing that, you know, a, let's say a hypothetical potential workflow could be a deal breaker if you try to roll this out between team A and team B. Um, but then you have, you know, and you have to fight that reluctance to simplify and say, oh, no, it'll, it'll be fine. This one workflow, one size fits all will, you know, be fine. But you'd be kidding yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and what you need is really to deference to expertise to pull in those experts from both teams and to really hash it out, uh, which, you know, is obviously going to take more time. It's a lot quicker just to say, no, this will work. But then we all know you're going to be disappointed in the results when, you know, fairly quickly you realize that this workflow is not working mm -hmm. for these folks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, all these things, all these, you know, kind of overlap at times. Okay. So with resilience in terms of fostering resilience for an, at an organizational level, in terms of high reliability, I'm assuming that's trying to make sure that our processes survive and um, evolve to continue to be successful. So my question is kind of um, related to unfortunate circumstance. So let's say you have a unit that's gone six months without a fall. And then all of a sudden they get their 10th fall in one month and just something is going on. How do you combat that both from a morale perspective and also from a high reliability operational perspective? Yeah, could, that would be an incredibly difficult situation morale wise. But, you know, that's where I feel like our things that we have in play, like our safety commitment statement is so important and that's something we can rely back on um, in addition to the sentiment that we share at the beginning of universal skills when we talk about you know we have everybody pull out their phones and show their picture people th those people that mean the world to them and they turn to the person next to them and talk about them we talk about how all of these tools and all of this work is to keep safe someone's picture person and even though it can be really really difficult that we did have these errors we can either you know, which we can still choose to learn from them, but even though it's really difficult, still doing the right thing is needed because we still have a, a unit full of picture people to take care of, and there's always an opportunity to improve it for them. So, you know, it's, it's our patience at heart, again, that makes it worth doing. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to kind of remind ourselves and remind each other of, uh, you know, even when we have great successes and we go a big stretch, but also when we do unfortunately have some uh, incidents we have to learn from. So that just reminding why, our, each other why we're doing this is so important. Uh, because like you mentioned, it can be really difficult at times. Yeah. There's, there's all kinds of ways you can try to uh, make your processes resilient, uh, but regardless of whatever tool you use, just making sure that you do something to hash out, you know, what could go wrong and that we all are on the same page of what, you know, we'll do if and when that happens is well worth the time. Okay. You know, a team could just simply get together and say, hey guys, next week, we're all going to commit to using SBAR. So let me just cover what SBAR is again. Now, what, what things do you think could get in the way 
for allowing you to use a S bar at a crucial moment next week. And just, you know, let people speak freely. And, you know, I always say the people that do the work have the best ideas and they're going to be, you know, candid with you and say, well, you know, it's great. But if I have, you know, a really heavy load that day, am I going to have enough time? You know, well, thank you for the question. Great question. Let's talk about it. So you have them throw out those potential barriers in advance and you talk through them as a team. It could be something just as simple as that. And then you just make a little bulleted, you know, um, FAQ or, you know what, you, if, if you get busy next week, do this. If you can't remember what an S-bar means, do this. You know, just common things that they could run into, uh, you know, talk to them in advance. Well, thank you for, for explaining and expanding on that. My last question is um, regarding deference to expertise. And um, I'm assuming that includes references in addition to individuals. So how does Baptist Health Louisville clear the pathway for staff to access these resources? Great question. So with deference to expertise, a couple things here. So, you know, as far as non-human resources, you always have things like policies, procedures, literature, uh, you know, and wherever those are for your particular department, you can obviously go that route. Um, for, you know, people type resources, you always have your leader you can go to, but also you have your safety coach. If it's, um, you know, a safe, reliable, together particular tool or question, that's, that's what they're there for too. But in terms of on the other side of the coin, you all being that subject matter expertise, I just want to encourage you to take, take advantage of those opportunities when you can participate on project teams or committees or uh, shared governance type uh, groups. Those are great opportunities for you to use your subject matter expertise uh, to benefit the group. Um, and also, one last forum that I think is way underutilized is daily management huddle. So if your group is not, you know, a little bit out of practice of using it as an improvement forum, that's what the whole purpose of the bottom of those boards is for, is for problem solving. And so when you participate in that problem solving there, right then and there with your team, you are being that subject matter expert. Uh, so I want to, you know, encourage you to make use of that forum as well. Okay. Wonderful. Well, I thank you so much for coming and expanding on this journey for us. Um, I'm really hopeful that the parallel between the aviation and um, healthcare will get a little closer to intersecting and we can start having that same level of confidence um, afforded to our patients so that they know when they come here, they're not going to get hurt. Absolutely. Okay. That's what we hope for. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to that interview with Alex Moore. I hope that it gave you a little bit more information and shed some light on high reliability, why Baptist Health Louisville is in pursuit of becoming a highly reliable institution. And um, if you have any further questions, anything that you want to know, please just reach out to myself or to Alex Moore and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day.